0: Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Today's episode begins with an opening story from Olivia Wright of Rallyer, who shares a passage from a book that inspired her
1: to slow down. Here's more from Olivia. Hi, I'm Olivia. I'm the founder of Rallier. Something that recently made me slow down is Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed. To me, this book is about learning to trust yourself as opposed to all the external noise and outside forces. So much easier said than done and Glennon's words are especially helpful. Here are some parts of the book that stood out for me. I now take orders only from my own knowing. Whether I'm presented with a work, personal, or family decision, a monumental or tiny decision, whenever uncertainty rises, I sink. I sink beneath the swirling surf of words, fear, expectations, conditioning, and advice, and feel for the knowing. I sink a 100 times a day. I have to, because the knowing never reveals a five-year plan. It feels to me like a loving, playful guide, like the reason it will only reveal the next right thing is that it wants me to come back again and again, because it wants to do life together. After many years, I'm developing a relationship with this knowing. We are learning to trust each other. I have learned that if I want to rise, I have to sink first. I have to search for and depend upon the voice of inner wisdom instead of voices of outer approval. This saves me from living someone else's life. It also saves me a hell of a lot of time and energy. I just do the next thing the knowing guides me toward, one thing at a time. I don't ask permission first, which is just such a grown-up way to live. The best part is, the knowing is beyond and beneath language, so I have no language to use to translate it to anyone. Since Since it doesn't use words to explain itself to me, I quit using words to explain myself to the world. This is the most revolutionary thing a woman can do. The next precise thing, one thing at a time, without asking permission or offering explanation this way of life is thrilling. I understand now that no one else in the world knows what I should do. The experts don't know, the ministers, the therapists, the magazines, the authors, my parents, my friends, they don't know. Not even the folks who love me the most. Because no one has ever lived or will ever live this life I am attempting to live with my gifts and challenges and past and people every life is an unprecedented experiment. This life is mine alone. So I have stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There is no map. We are all pioneers.
0: Thank you so much again to Olivia for sharing. Again, the book she mentioned and read from is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Now here's my interview with Cheryl Kaplan of Jemmy. If you were to walk in Cheryl Kaplan's shoes, you'd be inspired by the sartorial innovation she and her team are spearheading on a daily basis. As the co-founder and president of M.Gemi, a direct-to-consumer Italian shoe brand based in Boston, New York, and Italy, Cheryl is rewriting the business playbook by creating a modern shoe brand that values storytelling at every touchpoint of the brand experience. As a seasoned business executive, Cheryl's past professional experiences have allowed her to take a first-of-its-kind company from an emerging brand to a leading player in the footwear industry. In this interview, she shared more about her career trajectory and the importance of slowing down to stay focused and ahead of the curve, both personally and professionally. This is a must-listen for any aspiring entrepreneur, so without further delay, here's more from the amazing Cheryl Kaplan of Jemmy.
2: I'm Cheryl Kaplan, and I am currently the president and one of the co-founders at M. Um, outside of work, I am a mom, first and foremost. I have two um, twin boys who are 17 years old, and um, I'm married and have two dogs and love spending time with my family, doing just about anything.
0: Amazing. I think on a very broad scale, the advent of the slow living movement has impacted just about every industry from fashion to food and really just business overall. So with that said, I would love for you to talk a little bit more about your professional experiences too, leading up to MGEMI and generally how you think the narrative around conscious business has evolved the most for you since you started your career.
2: So I started my career in more traditional retail, um, brick and mortar, and um, started in department store buying programs. And throughout my career have worked um, throughout traditional retail to um, e-com. And now obviously retail becomes a combination of all of those different things. And, um, and the thing that's different about where I am now at Mgemi is we are making our own product. Prior to Mgemi, I was always buying other people's products and so I did not have as much control over what we were making, how we were making it, and um, and really the whole end-to-end customer experience. So the beauty of making your own product is you can really listen to clients, listen to what's happening in trends, and react accordingly. And so, um, you know, we are believers in making products that men and women want that they need in their life and that they can wear, you know, throughout their lifestyle. So we always talk about dressing products up and down, that there's many uses and that, um, You know, in that way, for me, it's a very conscious purchase where um, it's not um, superfluous, but really something that you can get a lot of use out of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just for those who might not be as familiar with M. Jemmy's story, tell us a little bit more about how you've been able to create a brand that has longevity across all of those
2: facets that you've just mentioned. M. Jemmy is a Italian brand That launched as direct to consumer in the United States. So we decided that we wanted to take a beautiful old world craftsmanship of Italy and shoemaking and turn it on its head a little bit in a new modern way. So um, instead of paying luxury premium pricing we went direct to the consumer and um you know as we always say like cut out the middleman but really it's so much more than that so we have the ability to control the entire end to end experience from how we make the product to how the product fits to the the site experience and store experience through to customer service packaging everything and then at the end of the day all of the history and data that helps us then project what we want to do. So we make our shoes in different workshops throughout Italy in the most um, wonderful um, little workshops where um, they're family owned and been in these different families for generations. And these shoemakers are truly experts in the different categories that they work within. So for a ballet flat, we go to the best ballet flat workshop and same thing for boots, etc. cetera. Um, you know, my feeling is that we, you know, oftentimes people say, you know, there's so many shoe brands out there. What made you go into shoes? But the difference is we saw a real white space in the sense that there are a lot of shoe brands, but they're either lower priced and, you know, and not made in Italy type quality or made in Italy, but very high priced. And we wanted something that men and women, real men and women can wear in their real life and not have to spend the prices that, you know, other Italian luxury brands charge. So um, they're real products for real people that want to take advantage of the quality and beauty of Italian craftsmanship.
0: Yeah, it's been so amazing to see the evolution and development of the brand, at least from my vantage point. And I think something that's so interesting about how you approach introducing different initiatives and products is that the whole experience is rooted in the idea of Mondays with your weekly product drop. And I've also seen some language on the website that alludes to believing in firsts. So I'm wondering why this idea of firsts and newness is so central to MGemi and why you found this narrative to resonate with your
2: customer community too. So in part of creating MGemi in a new modern way, We did not want to launch products in a seasonal fashion like a lot of other designer brands do. So the ability for us to be able to launch new shoes each week allowed us to not only create interest and newness for our clients, but also to not have to produce shoes so far in advance and be able to take advantage of working closely with our supply chain in Italy to make products more real time. So we're not today creating shoes for a year from now. Today, we're developing shoes for in-season. So we can really adapt what we're making and not have to take huge inventory and fashion risks in that regard. Um, So that's been a great opportunity for us, obviously. You know, newness is what clients are always looking for, and so the combination of introducing newness with also, you know, buying in season, um, we believe is is a real advantage.
0: Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Has there been any sort of like positive or unexpected feedback around this approach?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think what what happens is because our clients start to get to know that we can react to feedback real time, we have you know, from time to time, we'll get feedback on a shoe. Let's say we bring it out in a four-inch heel and our clients love it, but some of them were really interested in it for a lower heel. We get that feedback. And in the same season, we can bring that style back in a lower heel height. Or if we get a lot of interest in a new material or color, those are things that we can react to. If something sells out faster than we expected, we can... Work with our workshops to do a pre-order with our clients and get it in within you know 30 days. So um, our clients have become a real part of how we do business. Um, we rely on them for positive as well as negative feedback that helps us um, really work with um, what we want to do in season and also you know planning ahead. So we use we use things like wait list. We use pre-order as not just predictors of a future, but of real life. How can we get them what they want when they want it?
0: It really seems like this approach places emphasis on valuing your customer's time. And I think in a landscape that's so saturated with brands and platforms and things that are just constantly pulling at our attention, I'm wondering how your own relationship with time has
2: changed as you've built a brand that's so considerate of it. One of the things that I love about the build the business we're building at MGemi is we can take advantage of it. It's not that in the past in other businesses I've worked in, we didn't want to, but the supply chain or the you know the companies that we were buying from didn't allow it. But the combination of our supply chain with the learnings allows us to do that. And for me, it's the right time for that, where as you mentioned, you know, retail Retail's tough right now, and you have to constantly be changing and innovating. And so being able to hear the feedback, see the results, and then react real time is such a change from how retail used to be done. Um, and so I think what we have is a great combination of retail with supply chain. And, you know, in, in my past, we'd always talk about things like you'd have markdowns on the water and you know what that meant was you know you had to buy products so far in advance for your stores that you may learn something in the recent sales and analysis but you can't do anything about it because your buys are already made but here where we're working so close to real time the learnings impact the business almost immediately
0: yeah it's fascinating to see everything evolve as more resources and technology are introduced And from my vantage point as a content service provider and just being on the brand side of things, I've seen a shift in how people spend their time in terms of interacting with brands and storytelling. And this is part of what led me to start Slow Stories so that I could dig into all of these things a little bit more closely. And so far, the conversations that I've been having is that there seems to be a real challenge in achieving that balance of addressing real-time feedback while still trying to tell stories and maintain quality and consistency in a way that doesn't dilute any brand values. So I think a lot of people, at least the ones I know, are leaning more in the direction of the slow content movement. And so I'm curious what that idea of
2: slow content means to you
0: and what you're building with m Yeah,
2: it's a great question. So I think that, um, MGemi is all about storytelling, because if you don't understand what we do and you just look at our shoe, you our shoes, you may say, "Oh, that's a beautiful shoe. It's two hundred and forty-eight dollars." But if you understand the story and what our workshops are doing, and the fact that our shoes are made in all of these same factories as your favorite Italian brands, then you start to realize that that two hundred and forty-eight dollar shoe is actually being sold in a similar way, not exactly the same shoe, obviously, but for $800, same components made in Italy. Um, obviously the design is different. And, um, and I think that that's why storytelling becomes so critical. I do believe that there are different ways to tell the story and depending on the channel and the media that we're using, it needs to be done differently. So, you know, if you're in our store at Hudson Yards, we have storytellers on the floor we don't think of them as simply salespeople that are there to sell a shoe, but they're truly there to tell and, and describe and have you experience the M. Gemmy brand story. And if you're on Instagram and you're scrolling through, well, we have to think about what is the content and the storytelling there that stops you in your tracks as you're quickly scrolling at your, you know, your feed for the day. So um, storytelling is critical, but it's not the same everywhere. You know, for our loyal followers and um, and our buyers, you know, we know that we can tell them more long form stories that they're interested to know about the woman that made their shoe and, you know, what she does and how she does it and who works in her workshop with her and they want to see images. And so for us, it has to come to life in different ways. It's not one size fits all. It can be a snippet or it can be, you know what, in this particular channel, it makes sense to take them right to the product page because that's a very transactional way. So I think it's about really thinking about the customer and the customer journey and where they're coming from and what they're looking for.
0: So how often would you say you're thinking about innovating these different storytelling efforts? Because, you know, I've seen Jemmy's somewhat recent rebrand, uh, the introduction of longer form content via the journal and so on. So how often is this top of mind for you?
2: Or in our office, you would you would realize that we're doing it all the time. That um, there is no there is no right way to do it, and um, because we are obviously still a very young brand, we are always looking for ways to stay first, like you said earlier, stay on top of it, and to really make sure that we're connecting. And um, so when something works, we continue to evolve it, and when something doesn't work, we obviously have to evolve it. So um, I think that's the beauty of of being. An entrepreneur is that I've always been in that situation where it's never just status quo, business as usual, but that it's always thinking about how do we improve upon the ways in which existing clients and potential new clients learn about us. Um, obviously, rebrands and things like that don't happen quite as often. like you mentioned, we did a rebrand a few months ago. Um, but that that big bang is very different than the day to day thinking about the product, telling the story of the product and the workshops and um, and how we do what we do.
0: For sure. And generally, what stories do you hope to tell more of in 2020 at a time where aside from business pressures, there's just a lot going on culturally too?
2: I think in terms of stories that we want to tell, we love to bring the customer into what we do every day. Um, I always tell the story about. Um, a group of um, creatives that we were working with early on when we launched the brand, and they were helping us figure out how to tell the story of M. And then we went to Italy with them and we showed them the workshops and that was when they got it. Like they could not believe what was going on in these workshops and the other brands that they saw within the workshop were some of their favorite, you know, coveted brands. Um, and so every day we're doing things that we want our customers to see sometimes it's about making a shoe but sometimes it's about maria our founder you know walking around the streets of italy looking at new brands and inspiration and products that you know she's inspired by and sometimes it's about having a coffee in the little coffee shop right down the street from our office but it's it's bringing the brand to life not just about buying shoes but truly about being a lifestyle brand and bringing people in You know, I learned a long time ago in my career that if you don't build a brand, there'll be someone else that makes something similar to what you do and, you know, and people don't become loyal. And so for us, creating that connection is so critical and every touch point matters, you know, whether it's the people that are answering our customer service line or the women, as I said, and men working in our stores, they're so critical as touch points to the customer and everything we do, we want to make sure feels emotional and personal so that we can make that connection with them.
0: Yeah. I definitely value that considered approach to doing things in a way that has true longevity. And I'm wondering, as you reflect on all of this, if there's been any particular moment that has given way to an unexpected conversation or opportunity to interact with your customers.
2: Earlier in, in the fall, we launched a program with um, a charity and, um, it was about supporting cancer and it was amazing the way in which the reaction again, of that emotional connection with clients came out and we did a pop-up in New York and we had an event at the store and it wasn't just about, again, it wasn't just about the shoes. It was about the connection of what we were doing and how we were supporting this this other organization and how we were working together. And, um, you know, for me, that's, that's when it gets real, when you see real people in real life connecting with your brand. And, um, you know, we definitely want to be doing more of that, as I said, as you know, 2020, um, as we move forward. But um, for me, that that was a moment where you truly saw in real life, the experiences that people were having with our brand.
0: That's so wonderful. And I really think to that point, when we create moments or spaces for that element of connection to happen, we also create more bandwidth to ask important questions of our communities and of ourselves that we might not normally consider otherwise. And so, with that said, I'm wondering if there's one question that you hope people start asking you more often this year.
2: I love when. I am asked a question about my career path because I think that everyone's career path is so different and I think that as a mentor or as someone who can help others I think it's always helpful to hear their real life story that it's not like oh it was so easy and here's how I you know ended up co-founding a brand you know everyone has blips along the way and I think helping others learn from what went right what went wrong what what you might do different or how they can adapt your feedback to something that they're doing, I think has always been really helpful and a great engaging conversation for for me when I have it with others. Um, It doesn't have to be, you know, a straight line. Oftentimes people go through a zigzag approach to what they do. And and I think it helps especially younger um, people in their career to realize that there are ups and downs, and that's okay. And you know that there are a lot of great ways to to move ahead in what you're doing. And um, not there's not one right approach. But I think the more you learn and talk to other people, the more you um, can adapt that to your own experience and growth.
0: Yeah, that's such great and timeless advice that could easily spearhead a whole other conversation. But for this particular interview, I want to bring everything full circle by asking you one last question that's pretty central to each of these discussions. And that is, why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live, work, and feel better?
2: I think we are all moving so fast every day. I mean, I know for myself, I leave at the crack of dawn I work all day, run, run, run. I get home. I want to spend time with my family. I'm running around. There's just a constant running around feeling. And I think that when we all take time to slow down, everything seeps in more. You know, it's not on the surface level. And I know that with myself. And I try to tell myself all the time, like, be present in the moment that you're in. And I think when you can put your phone away or put your laptop away or focus on one conversation, it really makes a difference. And for me, it's something that I really, I'm not perfect at it for sure, um, but it's something that I've been trying to do more and more so that you can enjoy the moment that you're in or pay more attention to the moment that you're in and then get back to whatever it was that you might've been distracted by later. That
0: was Cheryl Kaplan, the co-founder and president of MGemi. You can follow MGemi on social media at M-GEMI and visit them online at mgemi.com. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to rate and subscribe, and if you're inspired, share your own slow story with us on social media. Thanks for listening and we'll be back soon.